Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. Or you can just listen, uh, but either way, we'll be reading Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 12. And uh, I'll just find it first of all here. And just before we read this Word of God, let's just... Um, pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your word you've shared through Paul, this great love that you have for us, that Father's love. Um, They're so uncompromising, so faithful. And now, Lord, as we read your word, we pray you bless it as we hear the words read aloud and know that this is the very breath of God to bring alive a lost world. And we pray for your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Don't panic. I have a lot of bits of paper, but it doesn't really mean anything. Right. Apart from the fact you'll be here to quarter to nine, but apart from that. Right. Verse 12 um, of chapter 2. And now, just to bring you into this... um, Paul is speaking to this little group, this little church in Ephesus. Ephesus, they weren't Jewish people. They were people who'd come to faith from people like us, Gentiles, not Jewish people. And um, he he tells them about how God has been working through the chosen people, through the Jews. And he speaks about the wonder of who Jesus Christ really was. And he fills the heavens with his fullness and greatness. He talks about how God worked with these chosen people through generations yet how that they were so wayward. And then he turns around to them and he says, but, but as for you, you were, you were lost and dead in your transgressions and sins. You didn't even have. You weren't set aside and given special revelation the way the Ephesians were. You were without hope in the world and without God. And so with that idea, he's now speaking to us as Gentiles. And he says this to those of us who've come to know him. Verse 12. Remember that At that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Pray God will just bless his word in our little bit of time together. It's lovely to see you have come tonight. And we're also aware there's folk online and uh, joining us from your homes. And maybe you'll have picked this up as well on our YouTube channel from Bally Harbour. And you're very welcome as well. And I just pray that God will speak to your hearts as well. Uh, so we're looking um, at this little portion of scripture about being far away and being brought near. 
There was a group of people who were sort of closer. They were the Jewish people. God had been working through them. And then there's a group of people who were, like, if you like, far away. So he looks at these two groups of people and he says, but you know, you've been brought together by the blood of Christ. How did he do it? Through the cross. It's funny how distance uh, changes, perspective changes everything. It's a funny thing. And I mentioned this morning um, about Port Patrick. I'll come to that a little bit. But I was thinking about the cross as well, and I'll show how this sort of works out for me. Looking out from our house on Ballywalter, and as you, you can see it from Ballyhalbert too, if you look a bit more north, it's always the background to our house. Looking across east towards the Irish Sea, we see Scotland and the Isle of Man, which is a bit closer here in Ballyhalbert, but we see it over the harbour. But there's the Mull of Galloway. And as I look at the Mulligan, if you get a really clear day, you can actually see and you can count them 13 wind turbines at Port Patrick. Port Patrick is a much small fishing village on the west coast of the Mull of Galloway. It's only about, well, 37 kilometres, what's that, 26 miles, something like that, from Ballywalter. Some days it's very clear, other days you wouldn't even know Scotland was there. But I could have told you last week I have never been to Port Patrick in my life. And it's funny how distance, as I look across and I can see a little piece of a castle, it turns out it's a castle called Dunsky Castle, never been there, and you try to work it, well, I can't, because of the way the horizon is, if you're a six-foot man, the horizon's three miles away, and once you're three miles, you're starting to go over the horizon. So if I was looking at Mull of Galloway, I'm losing about 100 metres of land that I can't see that's below the sea. And, and so I don't really see all of Port Patrick. I see some of the bits above it, and I try to guess what it must be like in Port Patrick. I've heard it's where the, the postal service used to go before Stranraer. I've heard little stories about it. I know that some of the fishermen go there, but I've never been there. So I, it's funny how distance separates us. So we have a view out of our window, and you can't quite see there, but there's a wee sort of a faded outline sometimes of the Mull of, Mull of Galloway. There behind that tanker going up, uh, coaster going up. You can just see it to the left, the Mull of Galloway. If I go a bit closer, you can maybe start to see the Mull of Galloway. Some days it's a lot clearer than that, but really the distance sort of fuzzes up the, the perspective and the idea of what I have of the Mull of Galloway. But we got to go this week. Jillian and I were heading for the ferry. We were on the motorcycle over in England and we were coming up and I realised we had time to do the one thing I've been wanting to do for years, which was to go to Port Patrick. There she is, my wife there, my biker babe on the right-hand side. Uh, and, and whenever you get it, it's a lovely wee village. It's a really pretty, really picturesque, really picturesque, I say that. <laughs> picturesque little village. It's a lovely place. Maybe it wasn't just so bright. We were heading towards a later boat. But anyway, uh, really lovely. And we, went, we only had five minutes in it, so we had just time to go down. And you know what we did? We looked back at Northern Ireland. Now, I wanted always to do that, because I've looked at the Mall of Galloway all the time. What's it like looking back at Northern Ireland? It's fascinating. You can see Valley Lumford, the big uh, chimney sticking up. You can see Black Mountain. You can see Scrabo Tower. And to me, that was sort of strange to look back on yourself from a different perspective. And here's the thing what do the people in Port Patrick 
think about the Harts Peninsula or Scrabble. They see a tower, do they know what it is? They, they know that it's on a on the sort of hill that it's on, there's a town below it. Do they know that unless they look it up? Just looking across, you could imagine it's all kinds of things, but unless you're really near, you don't really know. And so it's the same way that me looking across to try and catch a glimpse of Port Patrick just with the naked eye, I don't really get close. And so the people in Port Patrick are looking back and they see this outline of a tower, what it is, why it's there, they don't really know unless, not just from eyesight. And I was thinking about the cross in that sort of way because distance does a few things, doesn't it? It obscures the reality because you can't actually be there, so you have a bit of a guess what it might be like. Distance can make things a little bit hard to understand. If you're not close to someone and they're talking, you can't quite make them out or can't quite see them. And it can make things difficult to understand. It can, distance can even deceive. I thought the 13 wind turbines were sitting right in the middle of Port Patrick. They're not, you can't even see them from Port Patrick. Strange, isn't it? How distance changes things. It can be impersonal. Things that happen far away. I don't know about the lives of the people in Port Battery. I don't know their names. I don't know what they work at. I don't know their, their joys and their pains. They're, they're far away. There was a song written by a girl called Julie Gold in 1985, made popular by Bette Midler in 1990. I think it made number one or something like that. And then Cliff Richard went on to do a cover of it as well. From a distance, the world looks blue and green and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. And so the writer goes on. From a distance, we are instruments marching in a common band, playing songs of hope, playing songs of peace. They are the songs of every man. From a distance, you look like my friend, even though we are at war. From a distance, I just cannot comprehend what all this fighting's for. From a distance, there is harmony, and it echoes through the land, and it's the hope of hopes, it's the love of loves, it's the heart of every man. And then she goes on to write, God is watching us from a distance. God is watching us from a distance. God is watching us from a distance. I never really liked the song. Very catchy. But it seemed to me that what Julie Gold was pointing out was that, you know, if God's at a distance, he doesn't really see the human hurts and what's going on in our world. And so everything looks nice from his distance. Now, what I'd like to say tonight is God is not at a distance. And although her poetry is nice, the sentiment's wrong. God is not at a distance. I was thinking about the cross and I was wondering about the cross and thinking about it in this idea of seeing Port Patrick far away and not really knowing what's going on and them looking back at us, thinking of this idea of being at a distance. And I thought, you know, the people who were far away from the cross on that day of crucifixion, the people who were further back, maybe beyond the city walls, knew that there was another Roman execution going on that day. Some more criminals hung on trees. Some more criminals hanging till they died. They'd seen plenty of it. The Romans had, whenever they, after Spartacus and the slaves revolted, they crucified slaves for miles the whole way into Rome. A day's walk out of Rome you passed men crucified on crosses. Palestine, Israel was filled with corpses on crosses. 
And so if you were at a distance, you could look towards the outside the city wall and there was just another execution. Of course, you might have been at the other side of the city altogether. Never even saw it. Didn't want to see it. Not really interested in that. Seen enough of that. If you were in the middle distance, a little bit closer, you might have even heard some of the cries from those men on that cross. You might have heard one in particular. You might have heard one crying out to his God, saying that his God had forsaken him, and your heart might have been filled with pity for that individual on that middle cross. But still you're at a distance, and you're not close up, and you don't really get what's happening at the cross. And maybe it is that there are people maybe listening or here even. And for you, you identify with one of those groups. Those groups are, are further back. You know that Jesus Christ lived. You know that he was put to death some 2,000 years ago. He, he spoke good things. He was a good man. But it's in a distance. And it's, it's impersonal. It's, it's not really related to you. You're, there's some misunderstandings about it. And so you're prepared just to allow that that'll be enough for you. Or maybe you're in that middle distance and you're a bit more interested because there's some of the things he said, why did he say them? Who was he? But there was a group of people that day who were very, very close to the cross. And if you were very, very close to the cross, you were able to see him. You could see him hanging there close up detail. You could look into his eyes as he looked down at you. And you heard him say other words that he said more quietly. Looking down as those people were crucifying him. So there were those three groups. And as he said those words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know if some of you will recognize that top left photograph. You have to be a certain age. I'm afraid, David and Monica, your girls have no hope. David, you have no hope because this is, a, this is television whenever I was wee. First thing you'll notice is it's not color. Right? Color wasn't invented in the world till I was about 10. Up to that, all our clothes were black and white. Grass was gray. Well, anyway, this was called Romper Room. And Romper Room, there was a lady in it who all boys my age, when we were six and seven, we all loved her. She was our favorite girl. Miss Helen was her name. She was like a P1 teacher to a P1 boy. And we all watched, and she had a magic mirror, and she would, at the end of the program, she would say, and I can see, and suddenly the mirror would have no middle in it, and she'd be looking through it by magic. I can see David and Ara, and I can see Liam and Linda, and I can see Esther, Jillian. And she would say these names, and you would sit at the TV, hoping she would say your name. It was so exciting. It was so sophisticated. <laughs> Another thing is the Eiffel Tower. You know, from a distance, the Eiffel Tower looks like a derrick of an old crane. I don't mean our derrick. I mean the, the, the jib of an old crane. It doesn't look very good, but you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Jelly and I were on the Eiffel Towers. I'm sure some of you have been, and it's an engineering marvel. 
It's a wonder to behold. When you're up close and you see the care that's been taken into engineering this thing and you start to go up it and you realize this isn't just a piece of metal, a mechano set thing that's been thrown together. Some things, in other words, whenever they're at a distance, are very different when you get close. Whereas other things, let me tell you a little bit about Romper Room. You see, I got to see Romper Room close up. Some of you, Liam, you only got to see it on TV. I was there. Not in Romper Room, but in the same studio. I was starring, singing. There I am. <laughs> I was singing on Tea Time with Tommy in 1967. The program was put off for a week, actually, because there was problems in Northern Ireland. Would you believe that? Political problems. Chew. So it was postponed by a week. But anyway, that was me. And I was on tea time with Tommy singing My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. And you know, but the thing is, while I was waiting to go up and sing my piece, I had a chance to look around and I found Romper Room Studio. What a dump. <laughs> These lovely tables that look so good on the television were thrown together by obviously a blind joiner. The paint was daubed everywhere, and the magic mirror, I actually picked it up and it fell apart in my hand. The place was just, it, it worked okay for TV, but when you see when you're close up, it was something different. Now, why I say that is this. When you come close to Jesus Christ, you find he's more in the order of the Eiffel Tower and far beyond it. The closer you get, the more you see, the better it is. You know, sometimes... People who stand off from Christianity think it's just a, a set of rules and regulations and religions. And, and they put it along with all the other religions and Buddhism and Islam and all those sort of things. It's just another one. From a distance, it just looks like another religion. But it's not, of course. Because the, the song that, we read, that we, I read earlier on from a distance, and I said the sentiment was wrong, was wrong because of this, because God is not at a distance. And that's what the cross shows us. The cross is where God comes very close. Very, very close to each one of us. So close that he's prepared to hang on a cross while people spit on him and catcall him and jeer him. So close that they're able to touch him, to nail nails into his hands and feet. God comes as close as it is possible to get. And when you look at that cross, and if you were there that day, standing close to the cross, you would realize that this is a man who does not deserve to be there. Because you watched his life, you saw him with children, how they were on his knee, and he said, unless you become like little children, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Children wanted to be with Jesus. You saw him with leaders of synagogues who would come and say, look, my daughter's not well. You saw him giving sight back to the blind. You saw him feeding the thousands. You saw him taking time with a woman who was bleeding for 12 years and just touched him that she might be healed. You saw someone who was close. And when you see him now hanging on the cross, it's as if you can't get any closer. And you know that that man shouldn't be there. Because he's done nothing wrong. And if you were to read through the Bible, you'd find that someone like Peter, who was always a doing type of person, he could say that he did no wrong. 
Paul, the apostle who was the intellectual, could say he knew no sin. Peter could say he did no sin. Paul could say he, he knew no sin. And John, who was close to his heart, could say it in him was no sin. And those people looking that day, even the centurion looked up and said, surely we have put to death somebody different than we thought. Surely this is the Son of God. God's not at a distance. God comes as close it is as possible for him to be. Why does he do that? Well, just Paul's told us already. Because he loves us so much. You know, I go around different churches and given opportunities to, to open the Bible and preach. But the one thing I always want to express to people is this wonderful thing that I discovered as a young boy is that I was loved by God, my Heavenly Father. I remember reading somewhere in just a little flip-over booklet that said, you'd think, and I turned over the page, that someone, I turned over the page, must, I turned over the page and so on, love you if they died for you. And the final page said, Jesus did. And I remember giving my life to Jesus Christ back in 1974 because he loved me. And whether you're listening online or here tonight, this marvelous truth that Paul has already shared with us that we are so loved by God. And God is not looking from a distance and saying peace and harmony. He sees the ruin of human hearts and he came to make our hearts right by giving his only son for us. You see, the verses we were reading told us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. How? Through the blood of Christ. Through him dying for us, we are now brought close to him. It tells us that through the cross is how this works. That's how God brings us to himself. And so the cross means we can no longer claim that God is far from us. And Paul has already read from Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 on to verse 8. Because God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God can't do anything more. Folks online, God cannot do anything more to show his love for us. That's how close God is. And you know, it's a marvelous thing. I love this about being a Christian. That when I go to bed at night, no matter what has happened, no matter what trials life may have and troubles that maybe you think about, I can lay my head down in peace because I am loved and kept and forgiven and he will never leave me because he's promised that. And that comes when you turn around to the cross and rather being like a group who are far off, but you come close and you say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you are Lord. Forgive my sins. I want to come near. Come into my heart. Let's just pray. Father, we pray that we might have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that per surpasses 
knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you're not a God at a distance, that you come into relationship with those who ask you to be their saviour, because you already are, and you're just waiting for us to come to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.